Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. I want to introduce um, a really, really good friend of ours. Sam is the head of Karen Hayazot, and uh, Karen Hayazot is, I'll have Sam explain, his organization uh, that is appointed, Sam is appointed by the Prime Minister uh, of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, and of all the work that we do in Israel, we do probably 85% of it through Sam. So would you give Sam Grunwerk a great big <laughs> New Beginnings welcome? Karen Hezot is is... There, there's a lot of organizations that we could work with in Israel, but we feel so safe with Karen Hezot. We feel uh, we know every penny that, that we send goes to the projects. Could you tell everybody, um, Karen Hezot means, well, tell them what Karen sure. Hezot means and, and how long it's been around, et cetera, what it's all about. Thank you. So Karen Hezot actually means foundation fund, the foundation fund. We were established before the the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel, which, of course, we all know was 1948. Karen Ayesod was established 100 years ago. We just were were still celebrating our centennial year. We were established in 1920. And really, it goes back to the modern-day movement of Zionism, which, of course, Theodore Herzl was the father of modern-day Zionism. He uh, convened the first Zionist Congress, which took place in Basel in 1897. Unfortunately, he died uh, very young. He was 44. He died in 1904. But he foresaw that uh, within 50 years, actually, that there would be a state of Israel. So the Zionist, uh, the World Zionist Organization was the umbrella unit, and then the umbrella organization, and then in 1901, they established uh, um, Karen Kayemet uh, Israel, or the Jewish National Fund, which was established to start buying up lands that could be um, settled and, uh, and established. And then in the Zionist Congress in 1920, which took place in London, those two organizations got together and said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to form a third organization called Karen Ayesod, the Foundation Fund, to be the official, we're, we're what's called a national institution. In other words, we're, we're not really political. Uh, obviously, everything is a little bit political. You know, they say in Israel, if you sneeze in Jerusalem, that's a political statement. Yeah, that's right. And um, so, but, but we're, you know, we're not political in terms of agendas, but we are a national institution, which means we are part of official Israel. We're not just, I mean, there are tens of thousands of fantastic charitable organizations. Uh, so not to belittle them, but we're not just another organization. We're part of the fabric of official Israel. We literally sit around the table in order to, uh, you know, with, with the prime minister, with ministers uh, in different areas to help set the agenda and set the, what is what's called the national priority. And so um, all of the, and of course our strategic partner is the fourth uh, of the national institutions, the Jewish Agency for Israel, which is kind of the executive arm that carries out all of these great programs that we help raise money for uh, and, and, and support with, uh, with, with help from you, for example. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot in the area of, first of all, Aliyah, and we're going to talk about Aliyah, the I- immigration bringing home, and really when you talk about helping to fulfill biblical prophecy, that's Aliyah. The immigration. Ever since our existence, we've helped bring back to Israel three and a half million olim, or new immigrants, back home from the four corners of the earth and uh, fulfilling the prophecy, of course, uh, of uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and, uh, and bringing back everybody home. And of course, the other area has to do with helping, um, helping to strengthen the weaker populations. Uh, the weaker members of society, those in the periphery, um, from Holocaust survivors all the way to uh, youth at risk and helping with education. And actually, one of the things, first of all, you mentioned Shmulek. Um, Shmulek's been here before. He just celebrated his son's bar mitzvah on Friday. Oh, so he wasn't tov. able to be here. I'll send, him, I'll send him your mazel tov. 
And uh, Shmulek, uh, together with Pastor Scott and, of course, Pastor Larry, we're going to be doing something very special. Of course, we're going to be celebrating Hanukkah this week. Thursday night will be the first night of Hanukkah for eight days. And with your help, and, and I really want to thank, and I, I, I would love for all of you here and, and out there, the tens of thousands watching, I really want you to, uh, to understand the tremendous impact that you're having on fulfilling biblical prophecy and strengthening the society in Israel. So th there's something called an Amigur project. We were talking about this earlier. Amigur in Hebrew means um, uh, where my people live. Where my people live. Where my people live. Ami, my nation, Gur is to live. And it's a tremendous uh, project that we do in, con in conjunction with the Jewish Agency for Israel. It's subsidized housing for the elderly. And it's more than just a place to live. It gives them a community and, and love and support. And over 50% of them are Holocaust survivors. And you know, before you tell what we're doing, let me tell you how moving it is to work with the Holocaust survivors. I mean, I love the Aliyah projects. I love the children's projects. But it, it's so moving to that God would allow us to work with the Holocaust survivors. And if I can just tell one story, because we're you're getting ready to do something this Thursday for Holocaust survivors, is uh, Pastor Scott and I were um, at one of the homes, and it's not just a place they stay. So many of these Holocaust survivors, I, I remember, you know, we, we've worked with uh, B'nai Zion Hospital in Haifa, and uh, we've been working with them for years and years. They're just wonderful people. And they were telling us about, we were doing a project with them for Holocaust survivors. And they said, we have a lady in here. I said, well, I'd like to talk to a Holocaust survivor. And Pastor Scott and, and Truett were with me to film. And they said, well, she's been in here for a couple weeks. She won't even talk to us. So you can try, but they've gone through such trauma. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. A lot of them have... They just, it's just been a horror, it's be, beyond horror, beyond horror. And so we went into a room and there was an older man there with her and they didn't know who he was. And we find out when we start talking to him, it's her husband. Both of them are Holocaust survivors. And I just knelt down and started talking to them and the doctors and the nurses, they are all crying. They just opened up. They just opened up and started talking to me and everything. And that's when, it, this was several years ago, and I said, we've got to do more with Holocaust survivors. And uh, we were at one of the residents where they don't just live there. They, it's a community. It's, it's life for them. Right. It's, it pulls them out of the shadows, and it gives them life. And we, were, we were, had been talking and filming, and, and I mean, it is life. It is food for them. It is a shelter. It is all this, but it's a community, and these people do such a great job of putting things together for them. I remember asking one guy, I said, why, why do you do this? This one lady's been a volunteer for 27 years. And I said, you, as, as hard as the economy is in Israel, you could be making a living. And you know what she said to me? She said, we owe these people. Yeah. We Amen. would not be here if it wasn't. I said, so we're filming, and this old lady, she was 97 years old, and she was on her walker, and she says, I want to hug him. I want to hug him. And she came over and, and gave, a, gave a hug. And it, it, it just, you know, it, it, you know, there's a teaching in Judaism that I share with people that if God opens the door for you to do right, and you don't do it, and somehow that door closes, you've lost forever the blessing which would have been yours by doing what's right. And every day, Holocaust survivors pass away. Absolutely. And so this is, is a time to be doing what's right. Yeah, amen. And, I, you know, I, so I would, I would like all, all of you to know, because um, thanks for your support, what's going to be uh, happening this week, because as you said, Pastor Larry, this is really so much more than a shelter, a place to live, and, and, uh, and, and food to eat. And all of that's very important and looking after their health needs. But especially, and we all know this from families in this time of year, it's Hanukkah. And it's, it's especially 
for these lonely elderly people who have had traumatic lives, when, uh, especially when it comes to the time of the holidays, it's especially difficult. So with your help, we're going to be giving out about a thousand special Hanukkah gift baskets to the elderly Holocaust survivors in Amen. Amigur. Amen. And I want you to know, I think it couldn't be more fitting than for the festival of Hanukkah. Of course, we all know it's the festival of lights, and it's uh, when times were dark. And, um, you know, when the story, the actual story of Hanukkah took place thousands of years ago, we know that it was a time, of course, Hanukkah is not mentioned in the five books of Moses because it, the story took place later. And so Hanukkah took place at a time in the world where there were not any more open miracles, splitting of the Red Sea and, and the ten plagues and all of the different things. And prophets no longer walked the earth. And so it was a dark time where in order to appreciate and understand that God's hand is in the world, uh, it wasn't obvious. And so it's a, a very special you know, thing that we do on Hanukkah. We all know that just, uh, we were talking about Rav Cook earlier, Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook, who's, who lived from 1865 to 1935, and he was considered the, um, the first chief rabbi of Israel, even though it was before 1948, and the father of modern-day religious Zionism. And he taught that, uh, you know, he, or he, he emphasized the idea that with darkness and darkness and light, we know that it only takes a very little bit of light yeah. to push away a lot of darkness. Yeah. And, and that's what, with your help, that's what we're doing at Amigur. We're going to bring light into the, into the lives of these Holocaust survivors who've had so much darkness. So thank you, and yeah. God bless you. And you know... That, that's a uh, that's, that's a big part of what every one of us n- need to know. You know, not o- as you all know, not only do we support Israel, we have orphanages in Haiti. We feed fifty thousand meals a month to children in Africa, and the housing and the food and everything is important. But in our orphanage with these kids during this time, we also try to get them a gift. We try to get dolls and toys and things and. And uh, uh, I think it's so, uh, you know, and of course, you know, everything I teach, I teach out of ancient Jewish wisdom. And uh, the most important is, you know, at Yad Vashem, one of my favorite things is to stop the group right before we go into the children's uh, Holocaust remembrance uh, where they light the candles and everything. There's a statue there. And it's a story of a doctor that, stayed with these kids uh, in one of the camps. They were going to release him. And it says on there, when you save one life, God sees it as if you save the, the whole entire world. world right? And so feeding and housing and literally, literally think about it, that you're saving lives. You and all of our partners, you're, you're literally every day you're saving lives. But I've, we've, as we all know, it's it, we can go a step before that and, and do a little bit more and and give a toy or give a basket to somebody and bring them joy, and especially with people who so much joy was stolen from them. Many of these Holocaust survivors, Sam, you could address this, don't have family, right? That's right. A lot of them don't have family, and as you mentioned. And I've, you know, I've experienced this in my own family. I'm the grandson of Holocaust survivors, the great-grandson of Holocaust victims who were murdered. And it's, it's very well known that a lot of times you have this phenomenon that you referred to where uh, Holocaust survivors will, will not speak about their experiences actually to, to the family uh, you know, and the loved ones that are in their immediate circles. But what will happen sometimes is like what you experienced where sometimes, though, with, with an outsider, so to speak, all of a sudden, especially later in life, they will open up. And, uh, and it's, a tremendous, um, it's a tremendous, what we call a chesed. It's a, tre- yeah. it's a tremendous act of kindness to be there for them. And so, you know, you should all be very proud of yourselves that, by, you know, in, 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 and we're very happy that in your partnership with us, with Karen Ayesod, that we're able to do things like this together. That, like you say, Pastor Larry, they, they save individual people, but it's really saving the entire world. Yeah. You know, and, and just to uh, emphasize that, um, 
Rabbi Lau, who, uh, you know, is one of my heroes, and uh, you gave me his book. And We're going to meet him we're together. Gonna, we're going to meet him this year in Israel. I spoke to him about you, and uh, he knows all about you and all of you, New Beginnings, and he's very appreciative of the partnership, the friendship, and the support, and he's looking forward to meeting you in Israel. He's the chief, he was the chief rabbi, Ashkenazi rabbi, correct? That's of, right. Of Israel. And uh, m- amazing book, if you ever get a chance to... Uh, um, out of the Depth. Out of called. the Depth. And he was at... Buchenwald. Six, six years old? He five? was the youngest... Right, when it was... Uh, when it, He was in the concentration camp of Buchenwald. And I think w- when it was uh, liberated, he was five or six. He, I, I believe he was the youngest... Uh, to be liberated at the time, and he had been there for an extended period of time. His brother saved his life by putting him in a backpack. That's right. And then uh, a guard, long story short, a doctor put him in the Russian camp because they would have killed him if he had gone in the Jewish camp, so they had forged his papers. Long story short, and this Russian soldier that had been captured took care of him and got him food and kept him alive. Years later, and, and I'm just tying this in with, if you save one life, God sees it if you save the whole world. And so years later, by a fluke, they found out about this Russian soldier, that he had grown adult uh, daughters. The Russian soldier had passed away by then. They brought the daughters to Israel, and Rabbi Lau was having dinner with these 60-year-old, 65-year-old daughters of the man who saved his life. And at the end of the dinner, all of a sudden, there was a noise at the door. Rabbi Lau opened the door and in walked his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And he said, your father saved all of their lives. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I, I want you to think about that. When we're doing projects uh, anywhere, but especially when we're doing projects in Israel and in the area, uh, let's say in Aliyah, because uh, we're literally helping partner with the nation of Israel. Number one, Sam, fulfilling Bible prophecy, not only of of the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth. You know, you've heard me teach that. Uh, the prophet says when he talked about the Jews making Aliyah out of Egypt, the prophet said there'll come a time when the when God will bring the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth, and this will make the story of Egypt shallow, pale in comparison. You think about that when God brought the Jews from Egypt, they were all in one place; they were right next door. Right. And God and everybody knows the story of of Exodus and right. and Moses and, and Charlton if, Heston. Right. I was going to say if we didn't read it, we've seen the movie. We've seen the movie. Right. If we haven't read the book, we've seen the movie. Right. But what's happening now? And 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 as many of you have heard me teach, this is where one of the replacement theology doctrines came from, because Christians started saying, well. God said he would give the land of Israel back to the Jewish people and they would return from the four corners of the earth. It hasn't happened. And so instead, the church, instead of it waiting for the fulfillment of God's word, they came up with, oh, that they're not talking about the original Israel. They're talking about we're the new Israel. And that's where the false doctrine of replacement theology came from. But in 1948, God did exact a miracle. It's, and you all know this, but you need to share it. It's never happened in the history of the world before. It, that they said it, this is where your Bible is a is a fairy tale. It can happen. No language, no government, no army, but it happened. But the interesting part is not only of Jews returning. The our part of the prophecy is is that Gentiles will be a part of their return, bringing their sons in their arms and their daughters on their shoulders. And this is why we're so excited to partner with Karen Hezot with, the, with Aliyah of, of helping, of fulfilling Bible prophecy of Jews literally returning to the promised land exactly the way God's word says. Amen. Thank you. And I'd, I'd love to share with you about that because yes. there are very exciting developments, very recent developments just in the last few months and the last few days. And, and really, as Pastor Larry said, 
it's, it, it's really important, first of all, you know, for me to come and show appreciation and say thank you. And also for you to realize that you're a part of this. Pastor Larry mentioned earlier about that, uh, the, the other teaching that if you have an opportunity to do something and you don't do it, that that door closes. It also reminds me, we've talked a lot about the, the idea of the Queen Esther moment yeah. of Purim, right? We all know the famous story when with, with Mordechai and that, that really dramatic moment in the, in the Megillah of Esther, which every year when I read it, I, I, literally I get the chills at that moment when Mordechai teaches that lesson to <coughs> Esther, but it's really teaching us all that lesson, saying, uh, I'll, I'll say the words in Hebrew, that the salvation is going to come from another place. That th these things are going to happen. The only question is, are we going to be a yeah. part of it? Yeah. And did God put us in, in the position that we're all in, which is in a position to be able to, to take part, not just to witness, but to be able to actively take part? And, and that's such a powerful message. And that's that Queen Esther moment. And I want you to know that you should all be very proud of yourselves because with Pastor Larry's uh, leadership, you are seizing that moment. Yeah. In, in 2020, and we'll talk about what's going to be happening next year with, with the Aliyah, um, just a few days ago, um, and you know what, it, they can uh, put up, uh, we have uh, some pictures and some video that's going to run in a loop, and I'll, I'll describe what's, uh, what we're seeing here. Um, I'll let it run once, and then and, and I'll give the introduction, and then I'll, I'll talk about the specific pictures. But, you know, Pastor Lau, you know this. I think since the 1950s, the early 50s, just after the establishment of the modern-day state of Israel, we have been able to bring from Ethiopia about 95,000 Jews from Ethiopia. Now, it's an amazing thing, you know. Yeah, you, go ahead. Yeah. You can. That's worthy of uh, applause. You know, I always like to talk about what we're, what we're reading in the weekly Torah portions because it's always related to what's going on. And we've been reading the last few weeks about, you know, the, the family, the different generations, and the, the different of the 12 tribes that were born, the sons of Jacob. So it's widely understood by our sages that the Jews from Ethiopia come from the tribe of Don or Dan, uh, and that when there were the 10 lost tribes that they were dispersed around the world, that from the tribe of Dan, they ended up in what was called Cush, which is also related to both in Megillat Esther and also in some of those verses, Pastor Larry, about the fulfillment of biblical prophecy of returning from the four corners of earth. Ethiopia is, is one of them. And so there are about 8,000 or so Jews that still remain um, to, that are waiting to come home to Israel, to their ancestral homeland, and be reunited with their families. And things have, and, and over the years, with New Beginnings Church, you've been you've been able to help with a lot of that. And there have been challenges the last few years, especially because of multiple elections in Israel, and um, and and things have kind of stalled. But what's really exciting is that the Israeli government made a, a took a decision just this past October, saying they're going to return in the next year and a half or two years. Over the next year and a half or two years the full 8,000, and bring them back home. And they put... Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. And they put a, a high priority on 2,000 out of the 8,000 because with those 2,000, there, there are uh, many family members that have been separated and they're waiting to be reunited. And what's really amazing about the story is that the, the minister of Aliyah, um, part of the Israeli government is uh, a woman named Penina Tamano Shato. She's a friend of mine, uh, and I also spoke to her about new beginnings in the community here and the support of Pastor met her. Larry. Yeah, yeah, met her, and uh, she sent you a message. She is, get this, she's the first Ethiopian minister in the state of Israel since the establishment of Israel 72 years ago. And, of course, she's the minister of Aliyah and integration. She herself came to Israel, she's about 39, she's a young minister. She, she came to Israel, I think she was three years old, during Operation Moses in the early 80s or the mid-80s, you know, walking through uh, deserts, and she had, unfortunately, several siblings that died along the way. Tremendous yeah. sacrifice. And, and you see now, she, 
We'll we'll run this. I'll point her. I'll point her out to you. So here she is. This is on Thursday. This is just a few this days just, ago. This just happened. By the way, we heard it was a, a, this was a, an opportunity to happen, and so you sent enough money to fly two planes in. That's right. To make sure this happened. So this is the first group out of that initial 2,000 to come, the 2,000 out of the 8,000. So they came on Thursday, and there was a smaller flight the next day on Friday of about 420 or so of, of these first Ethiopian olim. You see the prime minister, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, his wife Sarah, um, greeting them. You can't see in the back there, but uh, Chairman Herzog, who you met, Pastor Larry, who's the uh, chairman of the Jewish Agency, our strategic partner, Benny Gantz, who's the defense minister, and many members of Knesset greeting. I mean, this was a huge event. The truth is, I was supposed to be there as chairman of Karen Aysud, uh, and, and it would have been terrific and very exciting, but the truth is, it's more important that I'm here with you and sharing these pictures yes, and images amen. with you. You can let it run. I'm going to point out the minister to you. So these are the kids arriving and the families. And again, you have to think about the unbelievable journey that these, these folks went through. They, were, they had to wait, unfortunately, in, uh, in a couple of camps in Gandhar and Addis Ababa. And because of all the delays, because of uh, bureaucratic issues and otherwise, they, uh, the conditions in the camps were very harsh in terms of the physical conditions, health, um, education, and it was really becoming a big humanitarian crisis as well. And here you're seeing some of the the pictures of of the families in those camps before they were able to come and to see it go through fruition. So they're talking about people that were waiting years and then months, and there were long bus rides until they finally got uh, onto those planes that landed in Ben-Gurion Airport just this past Thursday. It's really unbelievable. And so, really, God bless you and thank you for that. And we, we have many more of these flights to come. And when you think about that this is going on during this pandemic, that, you know, so many things in the world have had to stop. But when it comes to bringing, to fulfilling biblical prophecy and bringing our brothers and sisters home, but see the woman there with the white jacket and, and the blue dress? She, with her hand on the railing, she is Minister of Aliyah and Integration for the State of Israel herself, an Ethiopian Jew who came about 35 years ago. It's, it's an unbelievable story. I mean, to see her going back to Ethiopia, and we're going to talk about this because that's what I want to yeah. do with you, Pastor Larry yeah. and Pastor Scott. She flew to Ethiopia with delegation and, and delegation from our organizations, the national institutions as well. And to be able to bring them home herself. Think about what that symbolizes. That, that these tens of thousands of Ethiopian Jews dispersed from the tribe of Dan years, thousands of years ago were able to preserve their Judaism yeah. and their faith and their religion. And to be able to return home and for her to be able to bring them back. It's, it's just unbelievable. And it's thanks to you. Tell, tell them about. Amen. Sam, tell them about our plans to go for you and I and Scott to go to Ethiopia. So as I mentioned, what you see here is the, uh, the first few hundred of the, of the 2,000, and the 2,000 is out of the 8,000. So it's going to still take a while. Um, the idea is to bring the, the, the remainder of the 2,000. Uh, as I mentioned, there's a higher priority there because there are issues of reuniting uh, families. The idea is to get the full 2,000 by the end of the first quarter of 2021 and then to work on bringing the remaining 6,000. So there will be many flights along the way. And so what we would like to do um, is to go together with you, Amen. Pastor Larry and Pastor Scott. You'll, you'll join me and probably Shmulek, and we'll go to Ethiopia, similar to what they did, what the minister did. We'll spend time, we'll visit the families uh, in the camps, will understand, get to meet them, understand the, um, you know, the sacrifices and the challenges that they've had along the way, and then we'll fly back with them in this incredibly emotional experience yeah. and bring them back to their homeland. Really experiencing, you know, we, we say the words and we read the words, but fulfilling biblical prophecy, you know, in, in real live time. Yeah. Actually, actually seeing, th- actually you fulfilling Bible prophecy. Amen. 
Uh, we've only got about 18 minutes. Um, we were supposed to be on several flights so far. Um, we've helped bring in Jews from Ukraine, from Europe, uh, all over the world, Ethiopian things happened. Tiz got sick. And, and of course, we, you know, Genesis 12, live by this, guys. I will bless those who bless Israel. And uh, we were talking about this in the back, but this is very Tiz is watching right now. The day that Operation Eagle Wings, we were supposed to be with you guys in Israel, welcoming the plane that you paid for, that all of our partners paid for. That day, Tiz was being operated on. And of course, they gave Tiz three months to live. And, uh, and the very hour that the plane was landing, Tiz's favorite scripture is, I will lift you up on wings of eagles. She was coming out of the uh, operate, operating room, and God literally saved her life. And we believe one million percent that Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless Israel. We also believe that you reap what you sow. When you help save someone's life, God gets involved with saving your life in, in so many different ways. But we're talking about um, focusing on Ethiopian Jews right now, but we're, we're, we're partnering with Karen Hazot of bringing Jews in from all over the world. We can, we can understand a little bit, well, they're in dire straits in Ethiopia or in Ukraine. But in reality, and, and I, I, we didn't talk about discussing this, but one of the things we're doing is not just getting them from one country into Israel, fulfilling Bible prophecy. Where is the world right now, Sam, in anti-Semitism? Yeah, so that's a very good question. When we talk about Aliyah, we pretty much um, distinguish between two different kinds of Aliyah. This is... Uh, aliyah, um, not by choice. This is Aliyah because of circumstance, persecution, um, uh, rescue missions. As you mentioned, Ethiopia, Ukraine is similar because of the, the anti-Semitism. And then there's a smaller number of uh, Aliyah by choice where, for example, I mean, I had, the, I had the privilege or luxury to do so. I myself grew up in Miami Beach, Florida. I wasn't uh, persecuted um, it wasn't a rescue mission, but uh, I, I had the, the really privilege and honor to be able to choose to make Aliyah. And if I might say, you have two children right now that are I, serving in IDF? That's right. That's right. I have, uh, thank you. Three kids. Israeli Defense Forces. Two of, them, two of them currently serving in the Israeli Defense Forces. And the third uh, is also, uh, she's uh, only 18 She's doing a national service, which is uh, volunteering, and it's also um, uh, helping a lot, doing very important things in the area of security and intelligence. Uh, so certainly very proud daughters. of that. Da yeah, well, one son and two daughters. Yeah. And they send their love to you and to Pastor Tiz. They're we good, got to spend time together. And so the, the, obviously the numbers on the Aliyah by choice uh, are, are lower. Uh, and, of course, they usually are able to, uh, you know, they have a little bit more resources and means. Um, really where your help is so critical is the, uh, is the Aliyah by necessity. Um, and uh, Ethiopia is, is one situation. Ukraine, a lot of other places in Europe also, France, uh, and many other countries, uh, as you mentioned, anti-Semitism, unfortunately, is on the rise. It's on the rise. We've seen this. We've seen attacks um, terror attacks over over the years um, uh, that are increasing. We hear the language and the rhetoric, and uh, that's also had quite an impact. And uh, you know, Israel has to be a place uh, and a homeland. Of course, it's the ancestral homeland, and we believe that, uh, regardless of anti-Semitism, that we need to see the fulfillment of biblical prophecy and uh, and for all of them to return home. But uh, on the practical level, um, you know, these circumstances obviously impact the timing and impact the numbers. And even though we're in the middle of this pandemic, um, when it comes to Aliyah, we're committed. We're committed to be there for 
those communities and, 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 and those Jews around the world that need to come back. So the anti-Semitism is definitely having a, a major, major impact on that. I remember uh, we were supposed to go uh, to, in fact, Tizzo was going to go with us. We are going to go to Ukraine and come with a, uh, a flight over. And they told us one story of a lady, uh, a uh, Holocaust survivor. She, she wasn't going to make Aliyah. She's just too old. She didn't want to do it. But she lived in a village, and she, would ha- she was so old that she would go into the woods. She had a little stove in her little hut house. She would go into the woods and get one stick at a time and bring the stick and pile it up so she could heat Russia in the freezing. But because of anti-Semitism, some of the younger people in the village would come and steal her wood simply because she was a Jew. And that's why, you know, it's hard for us, I think, sometimes to get our head around that this is 70-something years after World War II. Surely anti-Semitism is gone. Nobody thinks that way anymore. But unfortunately, we have to reach out and help these people now. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the the responsibilities that we have in the fact that what does it mean that we have all of a sudden a nation uh, seven, you know, 72 years ago after a couple of thousand years? It, it, it gives us a voice. It gives us a shield to protect ourselves um, and, uh, and, and to protect ourselves by ourselves. You know, there, there's a very interesting, I don't remember if we, we spoke about this before, but there was something called the Evian Conference. Yeah. The Evian Conference took place um, you know, uh, just pre-Holocaust, when the Jews were, st- were already being uh, persecuted in, in, uh, in, in the early days of, of Nazi Germany, but before the Holocaust really took off. And the truth is, it was an opportunity um, for, for Hitler, may his memory be wiped out, to actually test the world and test the waters. And basically, they had this two- or three-day conference in Evian in France, uh, and they had representatives of different organizations and of different countries uh, to talk about the refugee problem, right? The, the problem of the Jewish refugees and to see who would take them. Yeah. And, and there's a famous quote, actually, that, uh, that Hitler said that, uh, that he, he would be happy to even send these, these criminals, that's how he referred to the Jews, in luxury ships to whoever would take them. And you know that... Um, these uh, criminals being... Being... Doing the Jews, that's yeah. how he referred to us. I think it was only the Dominican Republic that, uh, uh, at the time, that offered to take uh, a certain number of Jews. And, and this, this was a, kind of a way for Hitler to test the waters and to see. And it was after that conference that he realized that he could do whatever he wanted because, um, because nobody was standing up. But one of the amazing things when we talk about a voice, and this relates to what you were saying, Pastor Larry, is there was a representative... Um, there was a representative from uh, Palestine, but of course this was before Israel was yet established. And she was only, it was a woman, and she was only allowed to participate as an observer. She didn't have a voice. She couldn't, uh, she, she couldn't do anything beyond observe. And she, she later said that um, never again would, would she just be able to be an observer. And you know who that was? It was Golda Meir. Yeah. Golda Meir, who later yeah. became the prime minister, of course, the first uh, uh, woman uh, prime minister to this She's day. She was something else. She was something else, and, and, uh, and, and she said never again. So when we talk about having a voice and having the responsibility, uh, it, it's doing exactly all those things, and it's not just, uh, it doesn't just relate to what we talked about earlier with, uh, of course, looking after the Holocaust survivors. But Aliyah and the, the obligation to bring, bring home to our ancestral homeland. And, and really with our partnership with you and with Karen Ayesod, we're able to do that. And, uh, and God bless you for that, for that partnership. Amen. Thank you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story and then I want to ask you one more question. And uh, I don't think you know this, but your, your mention about the, the trial to see who would take these criminals, the Jewish people, and it was only the Dominican Republic who opened their doors and said, send us as many as you can. 
Um, we do, we partner with um, uh, a guy, uh, a couple down in the Dominican Republic who builds these schools and these villages for refugees and the really, really poor. And we've helped build projects down there, and we, we do their feeding program for all these different schools. We pay for their feeding program. And so they were opening up one of the new schools where the, this is the only place the kids eat. This is where they eat. And um, we had been down there and, and, uh, and opened it up, and then they were doing a second opening, and they invited the mayor of this area. And when the mayor came up there, she noticed on every door we, there was a mezuzah. And the mayor of Dominican Republic, where you feed these kids, you, you, you do more than you know. <laughs> and uh, and she's, she gets teary-eyed, and she goes, why are these mezuzahs on these doors? And they said, well, these, this church and this ministry in Dallas and everything. She goes, my ancestors are the Jews that first came here. Wow. And wow. so here's, a, here's that connection. Unbelievable. It just keeps going on and on. Let me ask you something a little bit, little bit off on this. The, uh, the amazing things that are taking place with these Arab nations all of a sudden becoming uh, peaceful and working with the nation of Israel. Can you, can you address that a little bit from Absolutely. your side? Absolutely. I'm going to wear a couple different hats because I'm going to wear my Orthodox Jewish hat, of course, or yarmulke, kippah. But also, as you know, Pastor Larry, before my current position uh, with, uh, as chairman of Karen Aisod, I served as an Israeli diplomat. I was Israel's consul general to the southeast United States, based in Los Angeles, also appointed by Prime Minister Netanyahu. So let's start with the, the Orthodox side. First of all, it's, it, it, it's all blessings from God. I mean, uh, you know, we, I, I can, I'll give you the political diplomatic uh, analysis, but... Uh, as I say to my wife, all, as I say to my wife all the time, and she doesn't love this answer because, probably the way I use it, but God runs the world. That's right. God runs the world, and um, you know, so God sent us. You know, we can, we won't get too political here, but you know, God sent us President Trump, and um, I don't know what's going to, you know, be in the future, but. But God runs the world, and the la- for the last four years, um, we've had a tremendous friend uh, in, the, in the administration and in the White House. And, and <laughs> amen. And, and uh, amazing things have happened. You're recognizing Jerusalem, moving the embassy, uh, stopping the uh, uh, payment of, for terrorists, the pay, the pay to slay, recognizing the sovereignty uh, of the Golan, uh, pulling out of the Iran deal. Um, and, na- and now bringing these Abrahamic accord- accords, these uh, normalization agreements. And so now, switching a little bit to the, to the diplomatic analysis of it, 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 it may seem like it's all of a sudden, but it's really not all of a sudden. Um, a, because as I mentioned, God runs the world, but also on the diplomatic side, and uh, I know this from my, my years as, as a diplomat, and Prime Minister Netanyahu has been talking about this for at least a decade, and he's been, he's been, um, you know, he's been focusing on it. You know, the Middle East, and you've spent a lot of time there with us, it's, it's, it's a tough place in the world. It is. And the, uh, peace and agreements and relationships are only made with the strong. You have to be first strong. And that's what Israel, um, I mean, strong from all aspects, of course, spiritually, physically, but Israel has focused itself, especially under the leadership of Prime Minister Netanyahu, of making Israel strong economically, of course, uh, militarily, security, and building up all of the technology in all of the different areas, uh, and also diplomatically. So you know, in the last 10 to 12 years plus, Israel is focused in all of those areas and made itself strong and a lot of those Gulf Arab states, uh, when, they, when they see the strength that Israel um, has built up, all of a sudden, I mean, like I said, it's not really all of a sudden, but when that happens and that realization happens, all of a sudden they want to tie into that. Yeah. They want to tie into, um, you know, obviously we all understand now a little bit better when it comes to the Iranian threat, 
which is just as big a threat, if not greater, on, on, on Saudi Arabia as it is on Israel. So it created kind of an interesting new mix of coalition and, and uh, realigning of interests. Uh, and when it comes to Israel's um, cutting edge and le leading when it comes to technology, whether it's uh, fighting terrorism, cybersecurity, water, uh, all these different areas, even, even culture and art, uh, these different countries want to tap into that. Uh, and the diplomatic, uh, you know, great strides have been made diplomatically with Israel in, in, in Africa and in Asia and to the east and with India. And so what we're seeing now is the, is the fruit of those labors. And what's really amazing about these uh, normalization accords, these Abrahamic accords, first of all, we know that, you know, Israel in terms of with Arab countries, Israel up until this point had only had peace agreements with two countries with Egypt, going back to the late 70s, and then with Jordan in 90, I think it was 95 or 96. Now, it was a very different kind of a, a peace agreement or normalization accord because with those two countries, Egypt and Jordan, we share borders and we actually were at war. And of course we say, we'd better ha it's better to have a cold peace than a hot war. Yeah. And, um, but here it's a different situation because with the UAE and with Bahrain and now with Sudan, with these three, and hopefully there will be more, God willing, um, we don't share borders with them. We were never at war with them. And so there really is an opportunity for a much warmer, I, don't know, I wouldn't say hot yet, but a much warmer kind of, uh, uh, of peace and, and, and normalization. And, uh, and that's, really what, um, that's really what we're seeing. Uh, and it, it's, it's really exciting. And what's really amazing about it is that it was a complete paradigm shift because what we had for the last 50 years or so is the message was that if any Arab country in the world wanted to have normalization with Israel or Israel wanted to have normalization with it, um, the road goes through the Palestinians and through Ramallah. And that um, the, the, the paradigm was that uh, if you want to have normalization of relations with us, you have to first make peace with the Palestinians and solve the Palestinian issue. And to be very clear, we, I just talked about it. I have two of my kids currently serving uh, in the military. I and the, and the Israeli people, we want peace That's with right. the Palestinian people. Right. We want to resolve that. The problem is if the partner on the other side is not ready is not acting reasonably, then the Palestinians should not have a veto right to say, well, until we're ready and until uh, you do it the way we want to, then you can't have peace with any of these other countries. And that's, they've had a de facto veto right for these last 50 years. What these Abrahamic uh, accords did is it flipped it on its head and it said, no longer is that the case. You can have normalization with Israel and the Palestinian issue is still important, and we still need to pursue it. We need to relentlessly pursue it. Um, but, um, but one is not uh, dependent on the other. Right. Right. You know, um, you said sh shifting hats from the religious to the political. Something that, that happened here is... Uh, uh, well, in America as well as here, is a lot of pr pastors were saying, um, well, there's an article that came out and said 90, what was it, 90, 91% of pastors would not speak anything about politics because politics have nothing to do with religion. And politics and religion always go hand in hand. You, in the world today, you can't separate them. And, uh, and uh, I was just thinking about what you were saying most of you know, maybe some of you don't know, that not only do we work with Sam in Israel, but we work with Josh Reinstein, who is the part of the Knesset with Israeli Ally uh, Caucus. And I'm on the executive board here in the United States and uh, in D.C. of the Israeli Ally Foundation. And uh, several months ago, a year ago or so, I was asked to come to D.C., 
And we were, we, the Israeli Ally Foundation were a big part on writing the policy of moving the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's right. And the reason why I got involved with that is because of the Bible. You say, well, that's politics. Well, politics and the Bible go hand in hand. I will bless those who bless Israel. You can call that religious or you can call it politics, but it, 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 it wears the same hat. And when I was asked to come to D.C., uh, President Trump was trying to make a decision on Palestine. And uh, this is right before Jason Greenblatt resigned, and he was President Trump's number one advisor. And we sat, there was eight of us sat at a table, and Tiz and, and some other folks were, were in the room. And he said, what do you think? And one guy gave all the biblical reasons. And, uh, and I said, and he said, well, Pastor Larry, what do you think? And, and so I said, yeah, I believe the Bible is the foundation of what decision we make. But here's the number one thing, is that, and, and I gave out all and he said, well, what should we do? So, so I said, you know, he said, so no two-state no, no two state solution. I said, no, absolutely not. That land belongs to God. He said, well, what should we do? And I said, well, we've already moved the embassy. We've already uh, made decisions on the, on the settlements. Uh, I said, I would suggest right now we give Israel sovereign rights to the Golan Heights, and he said, if, if, if we did that, would that, would that appease or bring peace? I said, I, it would appease God. And, uh, and it was, what, four days later that we announced giving uh, Israel having sovereign rights over the Golan Heights. And so you can't separate, especially in the Middle East, you can't right. separate politics and religion. They go hand in hand, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, sneezing in Jerusalem is a political statement. Yeah, that's right. No, absolutely. You're right. And uh, you called it, Pastor Larry. So you have to continue from your from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. Well, if Trump's in there, we'll keep doing that. <laughs> I, Pastor Larry, I know I know we're I know we're running out of time. I wanted to just say one more thing about Hanukkah, if I could, because yes, I think please. It's, I think it's so timely. You know, we talked about how um, our partnership together, Karen Ayesod and New Beginnings, Pastor Larry. Pastor Tiz and the entire family here, and what we're doing this week with Ami Gore together for the Holocaust survivors. You know, I, I think it's, there's no coincidence, as we know. And, and Hanukkah is such an important time. You know, I think we may have talked about this a little in the past. There's so many different uh, ideas that are talked about of why the, the, the holiday is, uh, is celebrated for eight days, the holiday of lights. And the Talmud talks about all kinds of different reasons that are given why eight days. And we know if you ask, you know, um, a, a, little, a little kid who goes to Jewish Orthodox school, why do we light the candles for eight days? And what are we celebrating? A lot of them will say because we know what, what was the main miracle was that the, uh, the temple was, uh, was broken into and they, uh, desecrated. they desecrated the temple and they couldn't find the pure oil and they needed pure oil to last eight days. They found one lamp, and uh, it, it was only supposed to last one day, but it lasted eight. But now if you think about that for a second, you scratch your head, you're like, okay, well, then, it's, then we should be lighting for seven days because it was going to last one day anyhow, right? So in other words, the miracle wasn't eight. The miracle was seven. So why do we do eight days? So there are a lot of, like a lot of things, there are a lot of different answers that are given. There was one answer that I read that I thought, um, was really special, and, and, and it was that that's true. The holiday, the, the miracle was seven days because it was supposed to last one, and it lasted eight. Why do we add the additional day? And it's, 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 it's an amazing insight. It's because, remember, we talked earlier about darkness and a time when there's no open, we're no longer have necessarily, unless you can really be sensitive and keen to it, but we don't have open miracles in the world. We don't have prophets that, that uh, walk the earth in the traditional way that they did back then. Thank God we do have holy people that, that are tuned in. But um, th these are dark times. And the answer is that the additional day for the eighth night was because the fact that at the time that those Jews even had the little bit of faith and hope to even go out and search for the oil. They could have just said, okay, look, it was destroyed, it was... Uh, it was desecrated, 
and uh, you know, look at, at, at the course of history, all the different uh, um, things that we've gone through. You know, and, and it all ties together when you look at all of the, of the different challenges, um, the pictures that we saw. And they could have just given up. But the fact that they even took the, that effort to look for the oil, that itself was worthy of adding an additional night. So it's about hope. It's about hope in, in giving us a little bit of light and hopefully a lot of light in a time of darkness. And I think that that's so fitting for what, uh, for what you do, what we do together. Yeah. Karen and I, Isoda, New Beginnings Church, we, 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 we take um, very dark circumstances in the world with, with humanity all over the world, and we bring, we bring light and we bring hope and we bring truth. So God bless you. Amen. And, of course, Hanukkah, eight, eight candles on the Hanukkah menorah. Eight in Hebrew means a new beginning. And so it's such an honor to partner with Karen Hazel to bring new beginnings uh, to so many people around the world and to stand with the nation of Israel. I'll, I'll share one more story uh, that I don't think you know. We're talking about Hanukkah, is uh, the consul general... Uh, got a hold of us here. I was actually on vacation uh, with the family in Colorado, and we came back early. He, he said, we, because of Pastor Larry and New Beginning stand with Israel, we would like Pastor Larry to light one of the Hanukkah candles and for you know the, the, the eight days. And uh, I was supposed to light number five, I think. And he was going to send down a Hanukkah menorah. And Nancy was dealing with him and everything. And, well, he, he'll be down here on this. He'll be back on this day. We came home early. And she finally said, well, you don't need to send it. We have a lot of Hanukkah menorahs here. And he goes, why would you have a Hanukkah menorah? I said, well, we teach, we teach Hanukkah every year here. We, we all celebrate Hanukkah. And he goes, that is the most amazing thing I heard. So he moved me from lighting the fifth candle to we had the honor of lighting the first candle. Wow. And so look it up on so uh, I, social media. That's a gr- I'm glad you told me. I did not know that. Um, it's a great story. He's a friend of mine. Really? Uh, I did not know that. He's a friend of mine. He's a former colleague because when I was consul general in Los Angeles, he had just started in Houston. He's based in Houston. And so... Uh, Gilad, I think Gilad yeah, Katz. Yeah, and so, I think we're the I think we're the first Gentiles, or the first Christians to ever have the honor of 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 doing that, and uh, uh, it just goes to show uh, the prophetic time we're living in. I know uh, you you don't read the New Testament, but there's a teaching in the New Testament that says right before the coming of the Messiah, the two shall become one. And that the 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 church will add to their faith the knowledge of Israel, mm. to add to our faith knowledge, and that's what we're trying to do here is uh, is realize where where our faith came from. We were never meant to be separated from Israel. We were always meant to be, as we could say, it grafted into Israel. That Israel is the fathers. And uh, it's just an honor as, as New Beginnings and our partners all over the world. We, we could not, I know I'm the one that gets my name on the, the plaques, but it's you guys that do it. And we love you and appreciate you and thank you so much for, for standing with Tiz and I as we stand with Karen Hezud and the nation of Israel. One last question, what's next? What do we need to do next? Thank you. Well, Pastor Larry... We, we need to bring the rest of those uh, Ethiopian Jews home. Uh, as I mentioned, we, there are still another 7,500 that need to come. Uh, we need, you know, the impact that you've had, all of you, and I'm glad you mentioned those that are, that are here and also out there. Um, and that's why I, I, I really try to emphasize and want you to understand the, the depth of the impact that you've had uh, on, on, on fulfilling biblical prophecy, but also on Israeli society immediately. And so um, we, we really counted on you for 2020, which I know was a very difficult year, um, and you've come through. 
And, uh, and you see that even through this pandemic, uh, the, the needs continue, fulfilling biblical prophecy. And it's going to continue into 2021. There's going to be a huge emphasis on Aliyah, not just from Ethiopia, where God willing, we'll go there together. But you mentioned also Ukraine and other places because of anti-Semitism. Um, we're expecting a huge wave in Aliyah. And so Aliyah, I would say, is the number one where we need to continue. Tell them what Aliyah means. Aliyah means, literally, it means to go up, to ascend. And it's the term that we use for somebody who immigrates to Israel. Because no matter what, and it's really an amazing thing, even within Israel, you know, if I I'm, uh, if I'm happen to be in Tel Aviv and I'm going to Jerusalem, the way you say it in Hebrew is, is you say, I'm going up to Jerusalem or going down to Tel Aviv. Because Jerusalem, of course, of course Israel is, is going up in terms of uh, the world. And then once you zoom in within Israel, Jerusalem, Temple Mount, of course, you were at the, we were together at uh, the, the pilgrimage road. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that's the highest point. So we call Aliyah going up is, uh, is, is immigrating to Israel. So that's the number one thing that's really going to continue into next year, as I mentioned, we really counted on you this year, and you came through for us. And uh, and, and next year, it's going to continue. We're expecting a, a big wave. They're they're anticipating that it's going to get to the point of fifty thousand olim a year. Wow! Yeah, from wow. around the world. Wow! Um, to give you an idea, pre-COVID, it was about thirty-five thousand. So it's going to jump thirty to thirty-five thousand. It's going to jump to fifty. Um, that's number one. And number two is the work that we're doing. We talked about the Holocaust survivors, Amigur, the subsidized housing. There are still more Holocaust survivors in Israel than anywhere else in the world. Unfortunately, because, because of their ages and the situation, they're, 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 they're a generation that are, that are dying at an alarming rate. And we want them to have their final years in dignity, really in dignity, yes. as you mentioned. And that's something that we can do together. So um, let's continue that partnership. Let's continue to strengthen and bring, bring light into the world. Amen. You know, uh, let me just share something with you. We, we worked with the city, um, oh, Scotty, help me, right out of uh, Jerusalem, Abu Ghosh. Abu Ghosh. And uh, they thought they had 200 Holocaust survivors in their city. And we volunteered to work with one of their centers there in, in feeding and helping build something. And so the word got out. And simply by the word getting out that there was help, they found out they didn't have 200. They had 1,200 wow. Holocaust survivors. And the reason they didn't know is because no, there was no family. A lot of these people have become, because of what they went through during the Holocaust, recluses. Right. And they didn't even know that. And, and so because of your help, we were able to reach literally six times as many Holocaust survivors just in one city. That's because of everybody do, just doing what, what we can. And so as we dismiss, you know, obviously we're not taking offerings and things because we can't pass the baskets. The ushers will be at the doors. Don't just remember your tithe, but maybe think about uh, an Ethiopian Jew uh, that are a Ukrainian Jew that's facing, you know, incredible situations, incredibly horrible situations, and they're about to be helped because of you and, and all of you and each one of us doing, doing something that we can. And uh, we can make a difference. And, and it's, you know, I've got the picture in my office. If you save one life, God sees it as if you saved the whole world. Would you give Sam a great big clap offering and thank him? Thank him for coming. We're doing the social distancing thing here. Uh, stand with me all over the building if you would. Next Sunday, God has laid on our hearts to pray for miracles. And whenever you see or hear of a miracle, ancient Jewish wisdom says, whenever you see or hear of a miracle in somebody else's life, what does that mean? Means you're next. Now listen, we're going to hit on three things next week. Miracle healing, breaking family generational curses, and miracle finances. 
even though we're in a pandemic, even though we're in so many, and so many of you are watching in places that you're shut down, the, 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 the government has shut you down. We're in this world, but we are not of this world. In the middle of all this, our ministry has raised, has, has gone up 500,000 partners this year. Instead of crashing, we're growing. Whenever, you're not excited enough. 500,000, in the middle of this economic crisis, we've gone up 500,000 partners. Whenever you hear or see of a blessing in somebody else, what does it mean? You're next. Listen to me. God wants you healthy. God wants you free. And God wants you prosperous. Because no matter what happens in the world, we may be in this world, but we're not of this world. We're of God's kingdom. And like Sam said, God rules the world. Somebody shout amen. So I want you to get ready. Come, bring somebody. We'll, 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 we'll spray everybody with divine covering so nobody, nobody gets sick. But I'm telling you, this next year is going to be our best year so far. This next year is going to be your... Somebody ought to say amen. This next year is going to be your best year so far. Amen. I want to thank you for partnering with us, with, with Haiti, with Dominican, with Africa. Many of you don't know we're doing a work now in Cuba. There's so many things that we're doing that we don't even tell you about. We're doing a work in Cuba now. Um, you know, I love, I love all the stuff that all the church does, but my heart is to help those that need help. And I know that's your help, to help those who need help. Can you imagine how much God is going to bless you when you feed and house and close? What did the Lord say? When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, the Jewish people, he said, you've done it unto me. Lord, when were you hungry and I fed you? When were you naked and I clothed you? When were you without shelter and I, and I gave you shelter? That's what we're doing at New Beginnings every day because of you and because of you. Give yourselves a great big hand clap. God honors that. Father, bless us. We give you praise and glory for all that you've allowed us to be a part of. And we're so excited about what you're going to let us be a part of in this next coming years. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people shouted, 